whenever you're ready, Simon. Okay, I am. Good enough. Okay. Simon Mercep and welcome to Crave. This is the podcast and the video cast dedicated to all manner of entertainments, uh, entertainments that have been interesting me and Steve McCabe lately. Yeah, we've got we've got a bit of a bit of a selection this week, haven't we? Yeah. We're, we're heavy on the music. We're heavy on the music because there's been an awful lot of it. Uh, very densely crammed into one rather um, rather enjoyable day. We had the Laneway Festival just a couple of days ago, Auckland Anniversary Day. Um, Oh, we'll be talking about that. Yeah, and not only talking about it, Steve, I think we should point out we should that, indeed, that yes. um, as well as hearing what Steve's got to say about it now, you can go to our website, cravepodcast.com, where Steve has not only written up a, a review of his day at Laneway. Quite a day it was, too. Quite a day, but it's cram-packed with some tasty photographs. Oh, you're too kind, uh, You're too kind. That you took of a number of the acts. Yes. Not all of the acts. No. Which you will tell us about no. shortly. But um, I strongly recommend you get to Steve's review on cravepodcast.com. Oh, you're very kind. You're very kind. We'll also, while we're on the subject of music, we'll also be hearing about Bastille. Not the day. Not the day, the no. Band. Or indeed the place. No. No, the band, <laughs> indeed. Yes, absolutely. Um, Courtesy of our... Um, in guest reviewer. Our intrepid guest reviewer. <laughs> Debbie. Who, who saw the Miss Mark Arena last week. Yes. Now, moving away from films. Yes. So from, I'll try that again, shall I? Okay. Moving away from music and moving to films. Yes, so we've got a really interesting film to talk about. We both saw, saw a preview of the latest uh, Clint Eastwood-directed film, mm. A True Story, based on the events of 1986 at the Atlanta Olympics, a bloke called Richard Jewell. Yes who is falsely accused of bombing yes. the Olympics. Yes. Which sounds on paper like it should be the most grim and worthy film you'll ever see, doesn't mm. it? It doesn't sound mm. promising. <laughs> Do you know what else didn't sound promising? <laughs> oh, let me think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about Like a Boss as well. Like so, a Boss, it's called. So, yeah. Not sh- like a film, though. And we, we shall indeed be talking about it. Like a boss. Uh-huh. Oh dear lord! Uh-huh. And so I think we, I think we should just crack on. Okay, let's, go. let's start depressing. with the music because that's been the kind of the big event of the week. We're yes. talking about um, the Laneway Festival, or as you put it correctly in your review, Steve. Its proper title is the Saint Jerome's Laneway Festival Twenty uh, in Auckland's yes. Albert Park. It's got lots of stages. It's got a lot of acts all through the day. You were there. Yeah, had the time of your life nearly. Well, uh, <laughs> what? There's a lot to talk about. Let's let's start early on and work yeah. our way through the day. So it's, it, I mean, let's start with the with the history of it a little bit. I yeah, mean, this, yeah. is, this has been going on for quite a few years now. It started off in Australia in Melbourne, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And they do several Australian cities, and and they've I think for about five years now included Auckland in the mix. So you've got like Central Auckland, you've got Albert Park, um, completely fenced off, um, and it's it's all you could almost imagine that Albert Park had been laid out with laneway in mind. Mm. That's how ideal it is. And yes. if it's like I'm gushing a bit because I'm. I'm really impressed, apart from anything else, with how well the day is produced. Okay. So, so um, Princess Street, where you got the, the clock tower there from the university, is completely boxed off. Boxed off, and at yes. one end of it, there's the main stage. Okay. Other end of the park by the rotunda, you've got a second stage. Uh, further down by the fountain, you've got a third stage, and then down one of, the, one of the little side streets, there is a fourth stage. Okay. And there's, I'm trying to think, probably about three dozen acts. Sort of rotating through these four stages during the course of the day. Okay. And so we're starting off um, earlier in the day, for example, um, saw a young woman named Stella Donnelly, who I don't think I've ever seen anyone so genuinely delighted. Yeah. It was the most adorably ingenuous thing. She came up, she kept started off performing, just her with a guitar around her neck, and the biggest grin and smiles. Like, it's like, I can't believe I'm here. I actually got to do this. <laughs> and it was brilliant. It really was. And and then she starts singing. It's, it's fairly sort of straightforward, sort of catchy guitar pop yes. with, with very, very bitterly, cynically observant lyrics. Okay. The, the almost, but don't quite jar. But okay. she makes it work because she's got, everything about her is, is, is honest and fun and, I don't. Sweet doesn't really do it justice. That's a bit okay. dis, bit dismissive, but she her lyrics have a real punch to them. So she was fantastic. Okay. She then brings the rest of her band out on stage. And she said, just to remind us all that you know we 
we don't even belong here. She had every single um, show that they've done, they have a different baby photo of one member of the band projected on the screen behind <laughs> just to keep them grounded. So, so, I, so I, I was very, very impressed with her. Stella Donnelly. Stella Donnelly. Welsh yeah. uh, via Western Australia. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. One to look out for. She was really good. Okay. Um, the, then over to the Prince's stage for an American chap by the name of Omar Apollo. Great name. Well, I mean, th- this guy knows, I think, probably to about 17 decimal places exactly how gorgeous he is. <laughs> um, oh, I'm, not, I'm not so attracted to that sort of um, attitude on stage, I don't think. But no, no, but he knew. He knew. He knew. Uh, also, okay. To be fair, so did most of the people to the side of the barrier. But he's kind of got something to, to back it up. If, if, if you haven't got the goods, then don't do it. But yes. he kind of does. So you're talking um, sort of 70s-ish... Uh, funky pop that's been mm-hmm. kind of updated for the modern day yeah. but you can still hear the 70s funk in it okay. but what you can also hear is his uncle's influence from Mexico oh yes I mean at least one song was sung completely in Spanish okay so so he's one to look out for he's kind of up and coming Omar Apollo Omar Apollo okay. exactly so not, not a name you're going to forget in a hurry no <laughs> no absolutely nor indeed an outfit to be perfectly honest um there, there were a couple of absolute duds okay. that I'm going to mention. Um, there's one guy by the name of Earl Sweatshirt. Yeah, no. No, yeah, no. the name should be Earl. <laughs> so so the, the, there were three different acts whose entire act was, was a guy standing at a desk with um, basically computer samples playing music, uh, and then out comes a rapper to rap over them. Oh, yeah. Now, I'll be honest, that's not a genre that speaks to me. Okay. And so we've seen a couple of these guys doing this already. And, and the one fellow, Coltrane, didn't like the music, but he put on a hell of a good show. You could tell he knew what it was about. Another guy, uh, BB No Money, basically bopped around the screen like a chimpanzee. Mm-hmm. I was not impressed. But on comes Earl Sweatshirt. Earl Sweatshirt. Or, at least, or at on comes his DJ playing samples that were so loud and so bass heavy that standing in the, cam- in the photo pit, all I wanted to do was get out. Mm. It was uncomfortable. It's not the effect you're looking for as an, no, as it an artist. Was, is no, it, it wasn't. <laughs> but that was the high point. <laughs> okay. After about five minutes of this, if your man's sort of standing behind the desk, you know, half the time he's just like, you know, having a quick ciggy and then pouring yeah. himself a drink while these beats are playing. And then finally out, out, out comes a little sweatshirt himself. And, and he sounded, quite frankly, like Yoko Ono being stung by a wasp. And I'm not sure what to say to that, Steve. Um, you, you, I'm, you, I'm, getting, I'm getting some sort of a image in my is eardrums it, about that. Is it a positive vibe? No. There you go. In that case, <laughs> in that case, you're probably about right. I took, I took two or three photos and I left because okay. I couldn't stand to be there any longer. Okay. It was horrible. So then I went back to the Prince's stage. Uh, a new Australian lad by the name of Rule. Rule. Yes, I'd never heard of him before. Okay. But apparently the kids had. Mm. So there's, there's one young lady just on the side of the barrier. And I thought, I recognise you. You've been standing in that same spot right at the very front. Mm. And so before Rule came on, I said, you have been there all this time. And he said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I got here at noon. Uh, I said, and you're just waiting for this guy. Oh, I'm waiting for him in the 1975, who were coming on at nine o'clock. Mm. So I said, you've been standing there all this time. She said, yeah, I I can't actually feel my legs. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. But um, on came Rule. Mm. And if you thought Omar Apollo was gorgeous, I mean, this guy's got the best hair I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> Don't talk to me about hair. Go on. No, yes. no. Well, it's certainly better hair than you or I. Certainly. Um, also, the worst trousers. Okay. But take a look at the photos on the <laughs> yeah. website for that. But the, here's the thing, right? 17 year old Aussie lad. Uh, crowd are going gaga for him. Yes. He's got all his his backing band all wearing sort of. Tr- tracksuity, prison uniformy type things mm. with his name on them. Mm. Um, and it was some of the most insipid, mm. watered down. I mean, I, I tried listening to some of it afterwards. Yeah. And I was thinking, it's like it's like Justin Bieber easy listening, but not in a good way. Okay. Exactly, yeah. So, so Rule was an Aussie? Yes. Not from Britannia? No, R-U-E-L. Apparently he's, he's, he's Dutch or something. He's like, he's like Rudolph or something like that. I can't remember exactly. The less I have to think about him, the better, really, to be perfectly honest. So the days sort of plodded on. There were a few good ones. Aussie, oddly enough, the Aussies were good again this year. Okay. Hockey Dad yes. were great fun. They're yeah. um, another, uh, New South Wales somewhere, I couldn't tell you where. But unremarkable, unpretentious, straight-ahead guitar rock. Mm-hmm. But great fun with it. Okay. The Chats are from, I believe, Queensland. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, sort of, you know, skater punk. 
and having a great time with it. Yes. They, were, they, they were having nearly as much fun as I think as the audience watching them. Yes. So they, they were, I mean, there was an awful lot of really, really good entertaining stuff. There was King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. I know. Possibly the second best named band of the day. King Gizzard, Lizard and the Wizard? King Gizzard. Gizzard. And the Lizard Wizard. And the Lizard Wizard. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, they need such a big name because there's so many on stage. I mean, two drummers playing in unison. Okay. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah, so, yeah. That's a big sound. It, it was, yeah, it was huge. I, I love the fact that the guitar player actually had his car keys on his belt as he was playing. <laughs> it's a nice little detail. Um, but the, their name wasn't quite as good as my favourite name of the day, the Psychedelic Porn Crumpets. <laughs> exactly. The psychedelic Porn. 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 P A no no P O R N oh P O crumpets <laughs> crumpets yeah okay. and, and actually to be fair those two bands they had a lot in common there's like sort of slightly experimental slightly wig outy um, very intense sort of I don't know uh, experimental rock mm. so so so, so, so yeah, as you can see there's a lot going on yeah huge amount there's all kinds of stuff you're doing very well to relay all this back well, to us I mean you? this was my day <laughs> yes. um, I, 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 I put it this way I, I, on pedometer on my watch told me I definitely got my steps in that day excellent uh, Mahalia mm-hmm. uh, young woman from Leicester okay. in England um, lovely rich soul voice she was really quite a strong presence on stage I was mm-hmm. quite taken with her um, who else was there there was well then we've got the disappointments yeah yeah I have to mention you, you said yeah, there were a couple of big acts you were looking forward to seeing. Yeah, well, the two headline acts, yeah, two big names, um, and and they were going to be on opposite stage, opposite ends of the opposite ends of the the, the arena because they're obviously clearly playing to different audiences. But they're both acts I've seen before and both acts I've liked. Okay, it's Charlie XCX, who is a which well, was techno pop, very high energy, really really entertaining. I mean, she opened for Taylor Swift. Okay, I remember you talking to about no. Charlie XCX. And she yeah. was very good. Okay. Uh, and before that, I'd seen her opening for Sia, when she was also very, very good. Then I enjoyed shooting her both times. She was really, really good. That's photographs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, yes. Yes, obviously. <laughs> yeah, she was, she was in my lens. <laughs> and then there was the 1975, my local band. Mm-hmm. They're from Cheshire. Mm-hmm. And, and I saw them at the Town Hall, I think about five years ago, when they were still up and coming. Okay. They're now one of the hottest properties in the world. They're huge. You know how to pick them. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, they're from Manchester, you know, what can I tell you? So, um, morning of the show, went to get my photo pass, and I thought, okay, go off, off you go, do your shooting. It's three first three songs of each act, except the 1975. Only the Laneway approved photographer will be shooting oh that's a shame mm. I was looking forward to seeing I'll, I'll not be able to shoot them mm. uh, now we do have form with this Florence mm. and the Machine did this to us last year about three hours okay. before they were due on stage they said we got a message saying sorry no one's shooting them Okay, it's annoying yeah um, but you know they can do what they want yeah of course <laughs> but we prefer it if they didn't do it the way Charlie XCX did it okay. which was ten minutes before she was due on stage yeah Suddenly, her manager came out and said, sorry, close pit, only her own photographer. So, I didn't even bother watching it. I was not impressed with that in the slightest. No. Now, now so, uh, excuse me, I just have to say, most of the audience yep. won't have be in the position to have photo passes anyway. Nope. So, for people who just went along there just to enjoy the music, yep. you didn't stay for Charlie. I sort of stayed for, stay, stay uh, for a wee bit, yeah. Yeah, and then you went across, did you see... The 1975. Stay for them for a wee bit as well. And yeah. just in terms of their performance, what would you report? Um, pretty decent. Okay. Um, Charlie XCX, possibly I'm being cynical now, possibly I'm a bit, bit bitter. Yeah. But <laughs> um, third time I've seen her now. Yeah. And I'm starting to think that the shticks weren't a bit thin for me, to be perfectly honest. Okay. You know, she, if you if you will pardon the language, she comes out and says, I'm Charlie XCX and I like to fucking party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, that's. It's a bit try hard, really, to be yes, fair, yeah. isn't it? You know, um, but you know, she got a very good reception. Okay. Um, I I tried getting close to the stage with my camera, couldn't, because yeah. it was too many people having too much of a good time. So there you are. So, so clearly, my opinion matters not one whit. Same through the nineteen seventy five. I couldn't get anywhere near them, but I did stay for a couple of songs. They were sounding good. Okay. They're hard to pin down, really, to be honest. Sort of like um, um, sorry. RT modern rock. There's, there's, you know, it's your basic keyboards and guitar. Yeah. 
but there's a little bit to them. Okay. There's a bit more depth than you'd imagine. Okay. How now? Listen, there's one other act I'd like to hear yes. about. There's one more we need to mention. Yes. yes. And this is a, a local man who we've we've both seen. Um, we, we've we've heard him on Crave in the past in an interview. Um, he's an effortlessly talented oh, yes. young fellow. Uh, by the name of Marlon Williams. And effortlessly talented, I think, is a very, very fair way to describe mm. it. Because he was drafted in, mm. I think, maybe two weeks in advance, maybe one week, I can't remember. Um, what was it? Uh, DC Fontaine pulled out um, album recording commitments. Okay. meant that, that Laneway wasn't important enough. So, fair enough. And, and so they, they got in Marlon Williams at the very last minute. Um... So, first of all, the guy's not had a huge amount of time to... Prepare. Yes. But he's got his band together, and they show up. And it was after a very, very high-intensity day when you've got a lot of bands who are really doing the I'm here to party bit and really, really trying mm. hard. If I say he didn't try, that, that doesn't sound right. Yeah. He doesn't really have to try. That's the thing about Marlon. Yeah. Is it feels effortless. Mm. It yeah, it feels like he's just an, he's at ease on stage. Yeah, there you go. He is natural. Yes, he's not. It's not like you're not feeling that he's having to try hard because it's just in him. That's the way it came across. And yeah, I know we sound like we're gushing here, but there is lots of gush about. Yeah, yeah. And he's got a great voice. Oh, he's got a lovely, rich, warm voice. Like I wrote in my reviews, it it was at the end of the day, it was like like he was pulling on a nice warm pair of slippers. Mm. It just felt right. Mm. Uh, and he had the audience. Just lapping it up because oh, yeah. you know the the, the the engagement with the yeah. audience. I mean, how how many other acts do you know can can uh, write a song about the 2019 New Zealand Bird of the Year? The hoi hoi, since you asked. <laughs> um, it's you know, it, and not make it come across as being yeah. gimmicky or cheesy or cutesy. Yeah, but actually feel sincere. Yeah. So yeah, he was absolutely lovely, yeah. and so that's how I rounded out my day, and it was. It's a really, really good day out. Yeah, fantastic. There's 12,000 people there. Um, the bars were doing good business, but there's no trouble at all. The energy just feels good. Yeah. Uh, beautiful, warm, sunny day. Yes. Um, there's, there's places to sit. There's free water. There's loads of food on the go. There's, I just, it just it feels like a very well put on, mm. well organized, and a really, really enjoyable kind of day. Fantastic. Uh, I'm really glad I went. Good. And again, just go to cravepodcast.com for Steve's written review and for a selection of his photographs of the day. Okay, Steve, you're going to take a wee break. And I we're am going to talk uh, about some other music with, um, with Debbie. All right, we've done our traditional uh, chair swap on Crave when we talk to Debbie. Hi, Debbie. Hi. <laughs> so Steve's just been telling us about uh, a day out, a whole day out, Outside right. at Albert Park, Auckland for Laneway, uh, yeah. which was sounds fantastic. Yeah. And you were in recently in a different sort of concert experience inside. That's right. At Spark Arena. Mm -hmm. Who did you see? I saw Bastille. And you can see the blank look on my face. Yeah. Uh, tell me about Bastille because I'm uh, not okay. familiar with them. Bastille, they're a British band. They're kind of pop indie. Um, they formed in about 2010. So okay. they've been around for a little while. Yeah, but not too long. So, um, and you yeah. you were familiar with them at all? Yeah, I was familiar with their music. I've heard a few songs and you know some of their popular songs, but I wasn't really into them. Mm -hmm. But really enjoyed the concert. Although I have to tell you that it was bleak, nihilistic, and depressing. Hold on, I just need to. Well, I need to absorb that. Yeah. You, you enjoyed it, but it was bleak, nihilistic, and depressing. It was indeed. And <laughs> Tell those, me what that means. Those were the words of Dan Smith, who was the lead vocalist, <laughs> and um, the the concert tour was their Doom Day Doom Days album. Uh huh. So okay. Yeah, yeah. So he actually did describe their right music as bleak, nihilistic, and depressing. Was it depressing? It sounds like well, it wasn't you know, though. The, the lyrics really kind of are in yes, a way. Yeah. But but they. They really the the music isn't mm -hmm. you know um, I'm really sure how to describe it <laughs> yeah but you know it's it's got that that indie pop sound yes but the lyrics are about the doom days there's there's quite a bit of that and they had some really cool graphics um, well so the first thing that I think everybody noticed when we first went into the arena was that it was very small it was like half the size okay they really pulled the stage right right a right lot, and yep. they blanked out. Um, seats on either side yes. um, of the stage, so everybody had a great view. Yeah. So they didn't have the usual 
you know, screens with the performers on the screen. They didn't need them. They didn't need them because yeah. it was really pretty small, actually. Um, but they did have a really cool screen in the background that had, for a, quite a bit of it, it had like a window. And different things were sort of happening in the window. So okay. in the beginning, it was kind of like a normal, normalish kind of, I don't remember the details, but kind of a normalish city. Yep. And then um, then there was, you know, various sort of doomsday things happening and there was a yeah. bleak landscape at the end and stuff yeah. like that. So it kind of told a little bit of a story right. in their, their graphics. Okay. And, and I'm interested to know how they were, how they performed on stage because if your music is... Yeah stirring and, and getting people going but yeah. the lyrics are kind of different yeah like the front man how was he interpreting this in his movements and oh, he how, he, pretty, how he, he gave it boppy he yeah, bopped yeah. around the stage quite a bit okay. and he claimed to not be a very good dancer but he was quite energetic and i thought it was quite fun okay so but he really got the crowd going a lot because he said look i'm not a good dancer i want you guys out there you know doing whatever you can and so there was a there was a lot of crowd um, yeah. interaction. What's, what sort of an age group are we talking about in the audience here? Are they a, a younger uh, person's uh, sort of a yeah, band? I, or? I think so. I'm trying to think. So where I was in the pit, um, there were quite a few people probably in their mid-20s. Okay. Um, but I did see a woman to my left who was she must have been well into her 40s, I'm <gasps> guessing. That I know, old. yeah. Wow, God. <laughs> um, but she, like, a, a few times, because I, I kind of look around, but I like yeah. to see, you know, what are people doing and stuff, and she was she was into it, and she was yeah. mouthing the lyrics and all this stuff. And then there's another woman to my right who I figured was probably close to that age as mm -hmm. well. But it, it seemed like a good mix, and it was a lot of men and women, so mm. both. It yeah. was a really good mix of a crowd, and it was a really nice crowd. They're not always nice crowds at these concerts, but... It was a nice crowd. Oh, cool. So, yeah, it was good. There was a really good vibe to the crowd. Everyone just had such a great time. Yeah. It was a really fun concert. Okay, Bastille. Yeah. Bastille. And so, yes. I looked it up later. Yes. Because I was curious, because they're an English band. Yeah. Um, it turns out that Dan Smith, who is the lead vocalist, his birthday is the 14th, 14th of July. July. So, yeah. <laughs> it's a rather egotistical way to come up with a band's name well, <laughs> I mean, I'll, on my birthday. But Yeah, uh, well, I think the whole band kind of decided that from oh, what okay. I read. Yeah, so, um, oh. but yeah, I'm trying to think what else to tell you about it. Well, while you're thinking... Those are kind of the uh, main points, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was just thinking what you were saying about the music giving you, taking you in one direction, perhaps, mm. and the lyrics, perhaps, in another. Yeah. And Steve's going to have a wry grin on this if he ever gets to listen to this, but it made me think of a Springsteen song. Oh. Um, one of his most famous ones was Born in the USA. Right. And the music is very stirring and, yeah. and sounds patriotic. Yeah. And at the time when it came out in the 80s, yeah. the, the then President Reagan was talking about Springsteen as being, you know, like a patriotic right. poster boy for the country. Yeah. But the lyrics were all about the Vietnam War and how veterans were mistreated when they came home. So it was actually a very angry anguished song i need to listen to that song. you got it's very they're very simple lyrics but yeah. it's just a classic example of right. the music makes yeah. you think feel one way and right. if you're actually listening to the lyrics right yeah and it's, I think, it's another message and i think that would be similar to yeah to what, well nihilistic and depressing Oof. that's what hey. yeah yeah he actually yeah he actually did describe okay. it that way so okay yeah well, but yeah I think the music was was fun and the crowd had a great time and it was a really good concert and i would definitely see them again in fact i'm gonna download their album what better recommendation? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Good, thanks, Debbie. Okay. Well, we've got a um, decent amount of music to talk about today. Yeah. What else have we got, Simon? Yeah, well, we've got, by the way, I oh. don't know if people... Go ahead. Yeah. People probably don't realise this um, watching, but we've actually got our a, a lazy Susan revolving. Yeah. Uh, set don't of chairs you and, can't give our production secrets away. Oh damn. Okay. No, That's how no, we no. Chairs so easily. Anyway, no, yes. no, no one's supposed to know this. We've we've had some about some great music but we we both went along a little while back to see a preview of a film that hasn't yet come out that's yes. due out pretty soon yes um another one by clint eastwood how many has he done now 
it's officially a lot. Yeah. Well, he, he's he's in his nineties, isn't he? I think he's going to turn ninety this year. Sheesh. Wow. Uh, so he would have been eighty nine when he directed this film called Richard Jewell. Mm-hmm. And well, let, let's just take a minute to say what it's all about because yes. it's, it's, it's it's based on a true account of a man called Richard Jewell. Yeah. He was a security guard working at the nineteen ninety six Atlanta Olympics. Yes. Um, and as part of the Olympic uh, venue, there was an entertainment area, a concert playing, and at one point during the Olympics, a bomb went off. Yes. Killing a few people, injuring many more. He was the man who actually noticed it, called in um, police and other security mm-hmm. officials to try and clear the crowd. Yes. To, with some success. Yes. Initially hailed as a hero, but once the FBI started profiling and assessing and thinking about it, they ended up thinking... He did it. On the flimsiest of pretexts. Yeah, on the pretext that he was one of those sort of people who was desperate to be a real, honest-to-goodness law enforcement officer and wanted to put himself into the scene and into the investigation. So he did it to to put himself there. Yeah. Uh, And um, the the film takes us through all that, gives us a sense of this guy, Richard Jewell, played by Paul Walter Hauser, uh, who, let's face it... um, had an interesting personality where he really, really lived and breathed law enforcement, didn't he? Yeah, he was. So he, he was. He's, he's kind of schlubby, and I mean, he's, he's, he's obviously visibly a loser. He's he's massively overweight. He's he's not particularly overly intelligent. He's very naive and simplistic in his thinking, but honest and innocent and trusting. Naive to the to yes. to a fault, yeah. which which comes relevant in in the story yes. because he's the in what I think is possibly the one misstep of the entire film. Mm-hmm. At the very beginning, he's he's a supply clerk for yes. a, a, a legal office, and there's one lawyer who's nice to him. Yep, and that is Watson Bryant, played yep. splendidly by Sam Rockwell. Ooh, isn't he? Isn't he good? He's good. Uh, I mean, those two together are absolutely phenomenal. But I think he's a, plays him a little bit oversimplistically. He's a, he's almost like there's something wrong with him mm. to begin with, like a little bit overdone. But as as he then um, goes on to become, he's, he's a he's a campus security guard at one point. Then he's he does actually he, he's a policeman briefly, I think. Yes. And I forget the exact the exact machinations that lead him to be out of the force again. But then he ends up as a security guard, and he desperately wants to be. A copper. Yes. He wants to be hanging out with the law enforcement dudes. Yes. They they kind of tolerate him and yeah. string him along. Yeah. Because as you say, he's a he's a bit of a social socially he's a bit of a loser for want of a better word. He's he a bit still inept. lives with his mum, Bobby, played by Kathy Bates, Ooh, wonderfully yes. well. And so his his world revolves around yeah. being with his mum and wanting to be a yeah. law enforcement officer. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And so um, uh, he has this brief meeting with the Sam Rockwell's character earlier on, mm. uh, and then. Years later, yeah. he's working at Atlanta, gets caught up in the bomb. The FBI come along. Um, uh, jo- John Hamm plays the FBI agent, Tom Shaw, who's mm-hmm. leading the investigation, who starts to think, oh, this chap, uh, Richard, might be our man. And so Richard is, calls on his lawyer mate mm-hmm. he's met years before, um, Sam Rockwell, who comes in to help him out. Yeah. And and so, as you say, the interplay between those two guys works incredibly well. It really does. Yeah. It, and it shouldn't. It's a very unlikely combination. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, Watson Bryant is is a lawyer who's completely down on his luck. We're not quite sure why. No. But clearly he, he picks up this case because he's not overly burdened with other yes. cases. Yes. Uh, he's getting nagged a little bit by uh, his secretary, we yeah. think. Uh, that's uh, the character Nadia, played yeah. by Nina Arianda. Yeah, we think... Some nice interplay there. Yes, it's the, the, their characters. relationship is very, very delicately undefined, isn't yes, it? Yes, nicely done. Uh, so, 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 so basically, the way the whole thing plays out is all these characters interact with each other in a very, very nuanced and realistic and believable way, and that's part of the brilliance of what Eastwood does. Is there is nothing flashy, there's nothing dramatic, there's nothing overblown about his storytelling style. Yes, is very straightforward. Yes, he doesn't rely on gimmicky tricks in his directing. It's it's quite. Um, it, I don't. This doesn't sounds a bit um, of a criticism, but it's kind of ordinary directing. He's just letting the story. Tell, yes. do the work. I think that's the, a fair way. And of the characters it, yes. do the work. Yeah, and, and it's a good script. Yeah, and the actors do very very well. 
Um, and there's a lot of use of actual news footage from the time. There is, isn't there? Yes. Which really makes you really yeah. understand this is what happened. Yeah. The There's been a controversy around this film, and, and having been a journalist for a long time, I, I, you could, I could see why. And that's oh, the, yeah. the fact that the uh, one of the main protagonists is a, a reporter from the local Atlanta newspaper. Uh, her real name was Kathy Scruggs. Yes. Played by Olivia Wilde. Yes. And she is played as a, a bit, well, to be frank, a bit of a hussy. Yeah. Is willing to use her body and her feminine wiles to get a story to to, to sweet talk um, the FBI agent into yeah. giving a story up and even to go as far to um, well to sleep with him. I think at some point, one point, or looks like it. It's uh, certainly uh, hinted at. Yes. Yeah. So and and, and so she is shown to be a. Um, an immoral uh, well, character I, who's is willing to do anything to get the story. I, I think the impression he's trying to give is journalistic gold digger, really, isn't it? Yes. Um, but then, it, even if you're okay with that, she she then once she's decided that she's got the story, she kind of digs her heels in. Yeah. And uh, even when um, what's his name? I can get the name. Watson Bryant. Yes. Uh, confronts her. Yeah. And says, "There's no way my client could do this. I don't care. I've got my story. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm I, running I, with it. Yeah, I think that um, some some people in America's journalistic community mm-hmm. aren't happy about this portrayal. Right. But if that's what she did, and that's how she was, and that's how she was, and and I'm inclined to imagine that someone like Clint Eastwood is going to be fairly um, well, yeah, careful I, with his storytelling. You'd, you'd think. I, I I just want to, without spoiling it too much. Because uh, I think this is a film worth seeing. Just to deal with that uh, Olivia Wilde's character just for a little bit more to say there is a bit of an arc with what her character goes yeah, through. Yeah, I'll give you that. Where one. it starts to where it ends. And actually, for me, that that didn't work. Mm. I think if you've been a journalist that long, yeah. you know the emotional territory in which you're working. Right. You know how people would react to the stories you write. Yeah. And if you're being provocative, they're not going to like it. Yeah. So for me... Uh, I didn't buy that little aspect of it. I, what, what happened at the I end? Don't, well, you were sitting next to me when we saw this film together, and, and I could hear you going. <laughs> I, I could tell you you were not completely well, happy with her. But in terms of a story, that was an important role. Yeah. She's a she's a critical part of the story. Yes, and, and so, um, but, but back to what you were saying. The heart of the story yeah. is the relationship between um, Richard Jewell and his lawyer and Richard Jewell and his mum. That's really... Well, let, let's talk about the mum for a second yeah, then. Kathy Bates. Yes. Who plays Bobby. Yes. Um, she's uh, loves her son, uh, embraces her son, knows he's not going to be the world's most successful doesn't care. man, doesn't care, is there to support him. Thinks initially, oh, my son's a hero. Yeah. He's saved all these people. He's warned about yeah. the bomb. And then, of course, her world is turned upside down when the other uh, part of the story yeah. kicks in. But she never loses faith in him. No. And this is Kathy Bates, right? Yeah. But it's not misery Kathy Bates. No. It's, it's not full-on Kathy no. Bates. which Because, let's face it, even no matter how good those other two are, if she'd really gone full Kathy Bates on us, she would have eclipsed... Yeah. The pair of them. Yeah. And I love the fact that she dials it down. Because mm. she is an amazing screen presence. She's a phenomenal actor. Mm. But she dials it down to allow the other two to to lead the story. And she steps back into the yeah. into the background a little bit. Because her, her character is very, very important. But it, the film is Richard Jewell, not Richard Moore. Yeah, yeah. And let's just talk a bit about um, Paul Walter Hauser playing Richard Jewell. Yes. As you say, he's not necessarily the most sympathetic character to begin with. No. Um... And somehow, uh, Paul Walter Hauser needs to find something in this person for us to get alongside with. Yes. And, and, to, and I think he, I think he did it. He does. He, he, the, the Richard Jewell character made a lot of mistakes. His, 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 he, you cringe seeing his yes. naivety yes. and how tr- trusting he is. Yeah. And, and it's a constant frustration to his lawyer, Watson mm-hmm. Bryant. But there is a certain uh, purity of thought about what he thinks a law enforcement officer is there to do. Yes. And he, in the end, is not going to let um, the fact that he's being screwed around by <laughs> these other guys get in the way of his vision of what, what is right and wrong. Yes, and that's so, a good way of putting it. And so, somehow, through all his faults, yeah, you end up on his side. Very much so, yes. Yeah, very much so. And the Sam Rockwell character is fantastic. Yes. He, he, he is both frustrated by him, by Richard Jewell, yeah. but he kind of loves him as well. 
and, and what struck me about him and Kathy Bates in this yeah. was it, it, tie it back to what we were saying before about Marlon Williams. Yeah. Some some actors will will really embrace a character and then they will, will yeah. they will act and they will perform mm. and they will thespons on you. <laughs> and and others just not like, okay, I know how to do this. I've got this. I'm yeah. I'm just gonna do this. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and 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 you might not even notice yeah. how brilliant I am. Yeah. That's how brilliant I'll be. Yeah. And I felt that the 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 pair of them, yeah. Bates and Rockwell both yeah. did that. They just sort of like it was effortless. Yeah. Yeah. Um to the extent that I, th I think that the, a lesser actor wouldn't have been able to, to act that little. Mm. Uh, a lesser actor would have felt the need to emote and to put yeah. more in. Yeah, yeah. Those two know that they don't need to. No, it's a strong enough story. You don't need to overact. No. I think when you look at it overall, um, John Hamm and Olivia Wilde are sort of the, the bad guys, if yeah. you like, have tougher jobs to do. Yes. Um, and are possibly a little bit stereotypical in the, yeah, 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 in, in yeah. the way that yeah. they play it um, it's not their fault necessarily but that's kind of what the hand they've been dealt in this particular role yeah, I can go that. Uh, and, and so the, um, we don't have yeah that was a, perhaps a, a slight weakness for me but yeah. not, a, not a major one no a, a, a very very um, strong story draws you in I thought Eastwood kept the pace up pretty well yeah um, and you really want to know what's going to happen to this guy, and yeah. and you care about what's going to happen to him. Yeah, and and a, a lesser filmmaker would have milked the explosion. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Eastwood knows that the best way for tension there is we know the bomb's going to explode. Yeah, we know it's happening. It's not a spoiler. It's yeah. happened. You know, <laughs> yes. I, I remember it being on the news. I'm sure you do too. Yeah. So we know it's going to explode, um, and so that there is the tension. Mm. We don't know when it's going to explode, no. and so rather than doing the sort of the cliche sort of thing of like having you know, like, but you can imagine somebody might do say a split screen with a, <laughs> a, a time bomb. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't feel the need to do no. gimmicky sort of that. And when it explodes, you don't have the slow motion no, kaboom no, or any that just... kind of nonsense. It's just dum dum dum, dum boom. Yeah, there. and yeah. and then you get a feeling of that actually really happened. Yeah, it, 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 you're right. He, I think the use what he did with that. Combining it with the actual news footage of the time really mm. gives the, the film quite a, uh, a credible yes. edge, very yeah. much so. So um, it's not um, it's not a sexy film in a way, no. but it, it's one of those films. It's about someone being done an injustice, very and much to put it right. It's gonna. I, I made me feel angry, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I you know uh, against the media, even though I'm, I'm <laughs> of the media. Yep. Uh, and um, it made me think. Well, sometimes lawyers. Do a bloody good job. Yes. <laughs> so, and, and sometimes often they do. Yes, and also sometimes. Yes. But only sometimes. So do filmmakers. That is so. That is so. Well done. And so um, you know, Eastwood's a bit of an interesting character. I know probably a lot of this, a lot of people diss him because of his overt Republican views. But no. you just put that to one side and just yeah. concentrate on his work as a filmmaker. Um, this is a really well put together film and really well worth seeing absolutely and it's due out on February the 13th yes and, and we would very very definitely recommend yeah, that people we would, we would. get to see it <laughs> one film that we wouldn't recommend <laughs> no people <laughs> to acknowledge the presence of <laughs> yes is is like a boss like a boss like a boss. Now that 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 that's that's a phrase that was really very very okay about four years ago, I think. Mm. Uh, so so we're starting off with a film that's got a a a pop culture title that's already out of date. Yeah, and, and it's it's trying to be one of those buddy yep movies. It's yep. A, 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 a two women, one's black, one's white. They've known each other for years. Um, we've got Rose Byrne playing Mel and yep. Tiffany Haddish playing Mia. And they've set up their own business. Um, Mel's the, the, got the business brain to keep it together just. Yeah. Mia's their creative one who doesn't care about the money. Yeah. They're struggling, uh, but, they, but they've got something going with their creative spirit. Uh, and then they realize, oh, oh, we really need some financial help. Mm -hmm. Along comes Claire Luna, mm -hmm. uh, played 
I'll let you describe how Salma Hayek plays this role, but um, it's... <laughs> no, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to have to. No, I don't have to think about it. Cartoonishly, in fact, I think you're the one who says, yes. yeah, you, you'll take the line. Oh, well, she, she almost appears and acts like a, a, a Jessica Rabbit. Yeah, just without, without the depth. Without the depth. <laughs> no, it, you're right. It's a yeah. cartoon performance. Yeah. I, obviously on purpose, but it... Why? What, what was going what, I didn't... It was it left you puzzled. Does she, does she have credit card debt? I don't know. No, because the, the, there is so much wrong with this film. Mm. It's, it, it doesn't know what it wants to be, first of all. So it, it lurches from, from set piece to set piece. So you've got, for example, the set pieces in the trailer where Mia is hanging off a balcony in... Um, Claire Luna's office. Exactly, yeah. Headquarters. So, yeah. Um, you've got another set piece scene where they're doing a a cooking lesson at someone's house, right? Um, where we have to have repeated questionings of whether or not the young woman who's teaching them has a dick, right? Which, okay, by all means, do gangs like that, yeah, right? But if you're going to do them, there's one thing you have to do more than anything else is make sure they're funny, yeah. And these weren't, so you got these, these set pieces that get milked, yeah. Yeah. It, Am I wrong? I mean, no, you're, no, you're, you're, no, you're about to no, disagree no, no, with me, I, and, and, I, and you know I'm right. No, no, you're, and this guy, I do. <laughs> uh, yeah, they just tried to put too much in. Yeah. They tried to have the buddy movie, the two lifelong friends who, um, because of this new relationship with Claire Luna, their friendship is strained, and will they get back together again? So part of the story is about trying to tug at the heartstrings of that. Then you've got the, the slapstick comedy, as you said. Yeah. The vagina cake was another gag. Um, uh, and, and, the, and, and, and not even that, but, but they couldn't just say, here's a vagina cake. They had to explain all yeah. the bits of the gag because, you know, clearly the audience are too stupid to understand yes. the gag. Yes. And that, that generally there was an attempt to try and put some risque lines here and yeah. there to try almost to say to the audience, oh, we're pretty, you know, we're pretty edgy around here. Yes. Um, but the story was in the end a very formulaic and safe story that you knew you knew where it was going to take yes. you. Um, and as you say, um, Salma Hayek's character, which um, I, I suppose you could say that the other the other two lead actresses, Rose Byrne and Tiffany Haddish, were attempting to find some genuine humour. Uh, but Salma Hayek was um, well. Yeah, I, I come back. To the word you use, cartoonish. It was really there was no particular attempt to do anything other than play a caricature yeah and with no attempt to really explain why really she was like this or why she behaved like this it was no. so um false yeah. that you didn't i don't know what you're meant to think of her so, so there's one one scene where one of the two ladies asks her does she have a really small head and she replies, "No, it just looks small because my breasts are so humongous." Yes, and and you think, okay, will that raise a titter? Probably not. But that's the level the humor is mm. operating at. Mm. It it didn't work. And and here's here's the weird thing. One of the the sidekick characters, mm -hmm. Sydney, yes. played by Jennifer Coolidge. Yes, who I'm just curious now. How old must she be by now? Um, no, there, there, there's a relevance to the question. Okay. Born in 1961. Oh, so she's 58. Yes. Uh, 50, yeah, she's 58, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, the thing is that, that she was, well, the reason I know her was from the American Pie films, which tried to do a similar kind mm. Of, mm. of edgy, raunchy kind of humour, but it worked so much better because it was teenagers. Mm. Teenagers doing sex gags is funny. Yeah. Grown women, mature adults doing sex gags just ends up being awkward and cringeworthy. Yeah. It doesn't work as well. But Jennifer Coolidge played Stifler's mom. Right. Back then, which is why I was curious. So she, she played um, a teenager's mother. Right. Back 20 odd years ago. So I was curious to know how old she would be by now. And that sounds about right, actually, to be fair. Yeah. But, but it's interesting that she's in it when she harks back to this kind of edgy humour being done well. American Pie was actually really quite mm, funny. Mm. The spin-offs less so. Yes. But the first film actually genuinely was quite good. And I, I watched it again a few years ago because they released a, a follow-up sequel with the characters having aged a little bit. And I watched the original one just to just to see. It has held up okay. reasonably. Okay. It's never going to be well, high it, art. Yeah, but... But it, that kind of humour can be done well, except when it's being done badly. <laughs> yeah, it's just, 
I, I just found that the story was so predictable. Yes. Um, so that's okay. You know what you're going to get as long as the quality of the delivery is good. But I found it um, lame and, yeah. and uh, predictable. Uh, I, I should say, and you mentioned Jennifer Coolidge's Sydney. Um, I think she was one of the ones who did better. And, and, and the other sort of sidekick in the office, yep. Barrett, played yep. by Billy Porter, oh, probably yeah. was the one who did stole the, the movie. Yeah. And he had one great scene. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. they spoiled it by showing it in the trailer. So it's hardly a spoiler here now. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's where he is um, fired and he yeah. says, I need to have my tragic moment. Yes. And it's a really nicely played scene. Yeah. It's the best scene in the film. He, he's genuinely the only one in this film who knows what he's about and knows how to do it yes. right. Yeah. And they underuse it. Which yeah. is a shame. Um, Rose Byrne is basically doing the same character that she's been doing for <laughs> far too long now. This, this, this um, sort of self-aware rubbish white woman. Yeah. The, yeah. And 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 she's she's Australian and she can. Is she? Wh- yeah. I always thought she was. Is that right? No, I... she's from from Balmain in oh. Sydney. There you go. Uh, and, and the thing is, she goes backwards and forwards. She, I, I don't know how directors decide what they want her to be. Yeah. So when she was in, I think she was in Neighbours, for example, with um, Seth Rogen. Um, she was, I think she was Australian in that. Okay. So, but for no particular reason. Okay. So she, but she does this sort of slightly um, bumbling. Um, I know I'm a little bit naff, yeah. middle yeah. class white woman. Yeah. Shtick, and and unfortunately, she ends up sort of coming across as being sort of like a dollar store Ivanka Trump unfortunately it's not a good look for yeah. her um, I mean Tiffany Haddish I think has obviously got some talent as a comedic performer yeah um, but it was all just sort of shoehorned in yeah I, I think she yeah. needs better material yeah she really does and this wasn't it mm. like we're saying it, it's formulaic it's by the numbers it okay you can take a formulaic film yes um and then if it's not about the destination, it has to be about, yeah, about the, journey. the journey. Yeah. And, and this was a hell of a bumpy ride. <laughs> the gags didn't land. No, no. It's... Anyway. Anyway, I mean, so basically, you come away with it thinking, nah. No, I wouldn't bother. But just kind of, just quickly, I know we're getting on. But no, just, I, think, I think you should. Yes, so that was a formulaic film. Oh, was it? I did catch another extremely formulaic film of a completely different genre called Underwater. Oh dear. A sort of a sci-fi, sci-fi thriller. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Alien? I do indeed. With Sigourney Weaver et al. How could I forget? Um, think Alien, Underwater. Ooh. And you've got this. Oh dear. Uh, well, and it's it's interesting because it's, it's such a... This is a story um, of uh, a time in the future. A company has found a way to drill down to the very deepest part of the deepest part of the ocean okay set up drilling stations underwater okay a network of them there's a team down there something goes wrong uh the tunnels are starting to collapse something's attacking them they've got to get out get to a safe place uh that's the story right uh and it evokes the imagery and the plot um uh, journey of Alien to such an extent. Well, your plot synopsis basically is Alien. It is. It is. Um, to the, I remember the opening shot of Alien. Yeah. You're on board the Nostromo, Nostromo, yeah. Nostromo yeah, yeah. and the camera slowly panning across the interior, and you're seeing the tunnels, and mm. that's that's how this film opens. Oh dear! But it's underwater. It so isn't just formulaic. It's it, a remake. Yeah, and you've got. A strong woman lead, okay. a la Sigourney Weaver. This time, um, it's Kirsten Stewart. Okay. Kirsten Stewart. And she does really well. Yeah. Um, you've got the captain of, mm-hmm. the, of the crew and the various different characters. And who's going to be picked off in what order? You know, yeah, yeah. You've got that whole scenario playing out. We've seen in so many of these sorts of films before. Okay, yeah. Um, Vincent Cassel. Cassel, the French actor, is mm-hmm. the captain. He's really good. I like him. Um, but you know what's going you know to happen. Yeah. Um, but actually, if... It's what you said before. If you like this type of film, Mm -hmm. is the journey all right? Yes. Even if you know it's coming, even if it is derivative. I actually mostly quite liked it. Oh, okay. Just because... That's not what I was expecting to hear. Well, I wasn't... I wasn't... There were no surprises in the story. Right, right. Uh, And some of the actors are a little bit too stereotypical. But there's a... The director does a good job of taking you underwater, making you feel claustrophobic. Um... With all, I think with all these sorts of films, it's the point. The best part is 
before you see what the creature is. Right. The build-up yeah. of the tension. Yes. yes. Once you see it, yeah. often it's a bit of a letdown because, oh, that's what it is. Yeah. And I think I felt that in this film very much, um, which is a shame. Yes. Uh, the less you see of it, the better. Yeah. But... Um, which, it, to be fair, you could say much the same about Like a Boss. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Anyway, yeah. I won't say any more. You know what you're going to get. Yeah. It's, it, there's a degree of um, uh, quality in the... St- in the way it's put together, technically, right, right. pacey direction, a few thrills and spills. Um, not, it's not going to win an Oscar, but a diverting bit of entertainment. Fair enough. There you go. All right. Fair so, um, so, having dealt with music and film, um, I know you probably musicked out uh, at the moment, <laughs> but um, can we just see? Is there much more to to talk about? Just mm. stuff coming up in the next little Come while. Come in the next little while. I mean, the, I know you've talked about Queen coming up very, very yeah, soon. Yeah, I mean, the, well, the two big names come up very shortly: are yeah. Queen and Elton John. Yeah, yeah. Um, we talked about them. Yes, but there's there's one new one that I think uh, might be of interest to you. Oh, so you you were very impressed. I remember last year I think it was with Alien Weaponry. I was. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to be playing um, in Auckland very, very shortly. Okay. Uh, and they're going to be playing um, at Auckland's Town Hall on February the 29th. Oh, yeah. It's part of the, um, what are they calling this? The the Auckland uh, Fringe Town Festival. Okay. But they've, they've announced uh, their support act. Oh, that, okay. And it's a band called Shepherd's Rain. So the one of the real sort of like points of interest, one of the unique selling points for Alien Weaponry is it's three Maori lads yeah. who... Sing exclusively or largely? Not exclusively, but a lot in Te Reo, yes. Exactly, yeah. 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 And so their support band are a Polynesian metal band. Uh, oh. Yes, I know. Okay. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So, so, so we've got um, Philivar James uh, on vocals. We've got Oliver Leopoldo on guitar. Shaman Ramaka on drums. Gideon Voon on guitars. Um, and Joseph Otti George um, on bass. So with Pacific Maori and Asian heritage, the band are all raised in South Auckland. So you've got a very, very strongly that's, self-identified yeah. Maori and South Pacific yeah. uh, bill here. Yeah, that's great. And it's, that's interesting because the, the, the opening band, sorry, what's the name of them? Again? Shepherd's Rain. Shepherd's Rain. So they're a South Auckland that's urban. Yep. Right? Uh, my memory serves me correctly. Alien Weaponry, there were two brothers and a third yep. guy. Um, they were from up north. Yes. So uh, in, in Northland, uh, not such an economically vibrant part of the country. Yep. So they bring a different uh, experience to their music. Yes. So that's a really interesting uh, balance to have in a concert. Yeah, it's going to be quite and, a dynamic, isn't it? Yeah. And, and I mean, when I saw them, it was probably two years ago now. Alien Weaponry were still teenagers. So they're, I think, look, I know what? If I can get there, I'll go and see that. Well, he, here's something I think is really, really good, actually, yeah. to go Right, I could say it's going to be um, Saturday the 29th of February at the, right. the Town Hall in Auckland. $35. Okay. Um, groups of six, $25 each, yeah. which is not bad. Students, $20. <laughs> yeah. So they're actually making this really, really accessible yeah. as well. I, that, yeah. I, I think that's really quite brilliant. Yeah. Uh, so again, worth, worth plugging once again, Alien Weaponry and Shepherd's Reign. Town Hall in Auckland, Saturday, 29th of February. Fantastic. Definitely worth a nudge. Okay, good. Thank you very much, Steve. So, um, we've had a busy week. We have indeed. (laughs) But thank you very much for watching and for listening. Um, Always very pleased to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at cravepodcast.com. We're all over Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're all over the place. You can find us at Crave Podcast. Thank goodness for that. Absolutely. So, until next time, I'm Simon Mercer. I'm Steve McCabe. That's what's been entertaining us this week. Absolutely.